Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 132 of Getting It Out Podcast. That was Strength for a Reason. The song is called Family Chain, and it's off their album Burden of Hope, which came out quite a while ago. And you might be wondering, hey, Dan, why would you play such an old uh, Strength for a Reason song? Now, first of all, it's not that old. Actually, 
holy shit, that's 11 years old. That came out in 2009. <laughs> so it is a little older than I thought, but that's all right. Because um, anytime is a good time to play Strength for a Reason, to listen to Strength for a Reason. One of the best and most well-respected Pennsylvania hardcore bands of all time. Probably of all time. Um, yeah, who, who, who's done it longer and better? Uh, not many. Not many from Pennsylvania. Not any from Pennsylvania. Allow me, be, allow me to be very clear as I mumble and stumble through that sentence. Um, yeah, well, why did I play Strength for a Reason? Uh, again, uh, I just wanted to, but also Strength for a Reason came up in my conversation on my interview today on this episode of the podcast. So uh, I thought, you know, now's a good time. Um, you know, and, and, and going back probably a while, a year or two, I was talking to Carl of Strength for a Reason about doing an episode, and I really need to. Uh, because this is a band that deserves one. So, until then, you'll just have to enjoy uh, that song, Family Chain, by by Strength for Reason, on the album Burden of Hope. Go back and re-listen. Re-listen to all their stuff. Uh, their most recent record was called Through Cold Eyes. I believe it came out on Fast Break Records. That's also worth a listen. That only came out seven years ago. Holy shit, seven years. Uh, I can't believe it's 2020. It doesn't seem right sometimes. Anyway, on this episode... I got an interview with Stu. Stu is a great guy from Las Vegas. You might know his old band Folsom, but you should definitely know his new band Spirit World. I don't even know if they're new anymore because they put out a demo in 2017. You probably heard me talk about them before on the podcast because I think it is my all-time favorite demo. I think it is. But they don't sound like that anymore. Well, at least not this time around. We'll get into that. But uh, if you want to revisit what that sounds like, um, go to, I think it was the episode of Wisdom and Chains, which would be like... 102, 103, it was earlier this year, January of this year, episode of Wisdom and Chains, I started it off with a Spirit World song, so go check that out if you haven't heard it, because you're going to hear other Spirit World songs on this episode that don't really sound anything like that, and uh, again, Stu will explain that, and uh, it's it's a pretty cool concept, I like what he's doing, I'm not going to spoil it all, you'll have to hear it from him, Um, let's get into this episode. Okay, so here we are, back again, another week of Getting It Out podcast, another week of coronavirus. It's taken over again, baby. <laughs> you thought it was done. It's coming back. It's uh it's like a uh it's like a it's like a disease that they warned us about and we didn't take seriously and uh now it's back again. It's almost like that's exactly what it is, but it's not a disease, it's a virus, right? So I got that part wrong. But otherwise, I think I'm pretty on the nose as far as my assessment of the coronavirus saga. It continues. And at this point, it has already derailed school. I, like The idea that, that the kids weren't going to be going back to school in the fall was fucking laughable at the end of last year. At the end of the school year last year, the fucking June, which was, goddamn, almost two months ago now... Um, God, it sucks summer goes so fast. Anyway, two months ago when school wrapped up and my wife and I were talking about, you know, thank God it's over, no more homeschooling. Uh, and, and and she mentioned, well, they might not be able to go back. That was hilarious. And now it's not so funny because that's what's happening. At least the Philadelphia school district has announced that they the kids will not be going back to school. They will be, um, <laughs> they'll be waiting it out until at least uh, November 17th, which is my birthday. Everybody remember that, buy me gifts. Um, November 17th, which is the end of the first marking period. So Philadelphia already said, 
Well, they tried to say, hey, we're going to do some other kind of modification. And people were like, yo, that's fucking crazy. We're not doing it. I don't know if I agree or disagree. I'm, I'm still totally all over the place on this. But uh, everybody came back and said no. So the school district said, fine then. No school. Well, there'll be digital school. Virt- virtual academy. Um, but for everybody, no options. Everybody stays home until the end of the first marking period. And I imagine that's going to be the case for a lot of places. For my stepdaughter's school, we actually find out this evening what's going on there. And uh, I guess we got to expect the same because uh, that's the precedent uh, country, countrywide, nationwide uh, is on your side, um, but not quite. Nationwide, wait, wait, shut up, Dan. Don't, don't try to make a joke about nationwide insurance. God damn it, stay on topic. Okay, I will. Fine, if you insist. Let's go. Okay, so uh, yeah, coronavirus. It's crazy. It's still here. I'm still working from home. I'm recording in oh, in the basement again. Not the usual basement, a different basement from the other, <laughs> from the past couple episodes. Um, I did this interview with Stu uh, from Folsom uh, in a new location entirely. It was uh, the first time I recorded here and, uh, something sounded okay. Something sounded not so great. Something's going on with my equipment. Uh, I really fucked it up the other night. I was doing this really cool interview. Actually, I can tell you it was with, uh, with John from Incantation and it was a great interview. And when I finished, I realized it was all fucked up. I think I fixed it all and I think it's totally usable and I think it's completely salvaged. Thank God, because it was a good one. And, uh, but I was totally worried that it all got fucked up. But anyway, this one was Stu. The only thing that I that I hear that you might hear is this is clicking when I talk. But I think that has something to do with this shitty DSL connection I'm using. But anyway, you you don't need all this information. If I hadn't said it, you probably wouldn't notice it. But if you do, I apologize. Anyway, um, Stu and I go back a few years. Um, I don't know which year. I just know that when his band Folsom first came around, or not first came around, when his band Folsom came around. In the mid 2000s, late 2000s, somewhere around there, um, I went to see them a lot. And what does that mean? Because they're from Vegas, so I obviously couldn't see them a lot. They they played they played a little tour around here, and I made a, made a point to get to like four or five shows. It was a lot of them. Uh, granted, there was a tight knit uh, tight knit routing, but uh, I was able to go, and I met him and the rest of the guys in the band. But particularly came to be to be friends with uh, the guitar player Matt and Stu himself. So. Um, when they dropped the spirit world a couple of years ago, I was really stoked because as I mentioned uh, several times, it was super different and, uh, I was really into the sound still am love it. Um, they did, they did the demo, they did a split with black coffee and they did another, uh, Viper blood single. Um, I think it was Viper blood anyway. And it, it, it's, it's a totally different sound, a totally different approach to hardcore punk. And, uh, it was a really unique and, uh, tastefully done. I don't know. It's a tasteful, it's tasteful, the word, I don't know, but, um, things have changed and uh Stu has worked hard worked very hard on uh this new record pagan rhythms and it's entirely different but it's also the same thing and uh it's 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 worth getting into so rather than have me just fucking weirdly explain things for the next 10 minutes i'm just going to get into it um i'm going to play you a song off the record uh which song should it be let's go with um let's go with the bringer of light the bringer of light one of the early singles from <laughs> from Pagan Rhythms. So let's do Bringer of Light and then get into my conversation with Stu. Hope you enjoy it. Stick around. Bringer of Light 
better get used to it, man. For all we know, it could be a long time. Yeah, that's what actually what it looks like. Uh, but anyway, so, well, I wanted to talk to you. I wanted to have you on here a while ago just because I, I fucking love Spirit World. Well, and I've, I've liked everything you've done so far, but particularly the, the Spirit World demo that you dropped now seems like forever ago. Was that 2017? Yeah, I think it was. It was, uh, it was like punk rock bowling, I think, 2017, so like May. Yeah, it's been a minute. And when you guys when you guys put that out, I saw I saw it from Matt posting it somewhere, and like the first time I listened to it, I was totally surprised. But at the same time, being that it was you guys, it wasn't a, like like it was the sound was a surprise. But at the same time, you guys would be the ones making that sound. But it was like a totally unique uh, take on punk rock, hardcore, whatever. How did how did that initial incarnation of Spirit World come about? Um. Well, Matt moved down here. I got him a job, and uh, I don't remember what year, maybe a year before that or something. And so me and him were kicking it a lot. And uh, I'd been writing. Like, I'd never stopped writing songs. I just stopped sharing them with people. Yeah. You know? Like, the infrastructure of, like, doing a band and touring and all that shit, it's just, like, I was burnt out, to tell you the truth, after, like, Folsom wrapped up. But I always, like, wanted to, like, write. So I just kept doing it. And so I'm just sitting on this stockpile of stuff. So somewhere in that last, like, three or four years, I really, like, wrote a bunch of cool, like, I was writing, like, country songs, just straight up three, four chords and just practicing, you know, a different type of, like, storytelling thing. And then when Matt started um, hanging out playing stuff, we just, I don't know, I bought a Telecaster. That was a big one. So historically like i'm just the fucking guitar stealing piece of shit you know <laughs> my brother nick's guitar bees's guitar and so i ended up being the guy that like obsessively like would write all the like riffs all the time but i never bought a guitar because i'm just a cheapskate well i was no i'm not <laughs> so i i finally wanted to buy a guitar and i'm like i don't remember why but i was like oh god i love it i'm getting this telecaster and as soon as I plugged it in and played it, like, these, like, country, kind of, like, bluegrass little runs I was doing on the acoustic guitar just sounded cool as fuck. So, like, on that demo, those kind of, like, jangly thing, that's where it started. So once I heard that, I was like, oh, fuck, we can pick this up, like, 4-4 four, four time and have this, like, almost rockabilly punk rock. I don't know, just kind of accident. And me and Matt had played music so long. Like, as soon as we stumbled on it, we were just like, this is cool as shit. Let's make some songs. And I, well, from from the minute I heard it, like I said, I loved it. And I feel like, and I, I haven't heard, I mean, I, but I feel like there's there's either got to be people that loved it or hated it. I don't know why someone I, would hate it, but I feel, I feel like there would be a lot of people that would have a lot to complain about, though. Well, I think a lot of people, like here, the reception was really good. But, I mean, I think people, like, expected, because anyone that's ever hung out with me or any of my brothers for any amount of time, like, realizes that we've all just listened to, like, country music and rockabilly and all kinds of shit outside of hardcore and metal our whole lives. So, like, that transition was cool. But I didn't, like, want to do a band still at the time. So, like, we had the demo, and I just hit up my buddy Sam, 
and we went up to his studio and kind of like we rehearsed the songs and then we just kind of cut them and I didn't know what it sounded like until we were done and then I thought it was like super dope you know so when I went back like I had to go up there again to like finish the vocals and do some overdubs or something and then uh I guess I really didn't care what people thought, you know, <laughs> where I'm at in my life is like, I just want to make stuff that I think is cool. I don't need scene points or like a band to be a job. So after like we did it and it came out, I was super stoked, but it kind of like sparked that thing in my head. I'm like, well, this is the most fun I've had doing anything in a long time. There's no reason I can't like pivot and adjust my personal life a little where I could support like making records and like really chasing down this creative thing so i like probably the last three four years been pretty serious about building a little infrastructure so i could make records and pagan rhythms is like the kind of like the first step of that plan that i have because i got a studio in my house that i bought where i can make all the demos i don't need a band i don't have to go to fucking rehearsal spots and like teach homeboy Oh, play this groove. Nope, wrong one. Then come back Friday and be like, play that one. You know, the ride part that was sick. Oh, and then guy don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I hate hate all that band shit with a passion. Like, if I never spend another minute in a room with five guys trying to... Like, I'm not jam band guy. I'm always like, I know what the song sounds like in my head. And I want to try and get there. I don't really want to have input from five dudes that listen to bands i don't like you know what i mean yeah i hear you and that's what that's one of the things i wanted to get to you about is like how much of how much of uh spirit world at this point is just you um like pagan rhythms i wrote everything so all the artwork every riff drum beat everything yeah and then so i did the whole record all the songs and demo form pretty much probably 90% of it. And so I had a really rough thing. And then I hit up Sam and I probably spent, I don't know, a month, give or take, not all in one whack, but like going up there, like we spent one trip, literally just going through all the MIDI drums that I had programmed. Mm -hmm. And I'm not a drummer or a engineer. So I struggle with being able to line up and say, okay, the kick has to match all this shit right here on the grid. Like, those details, I I don't have the passion for that, but Sam's, like, a fucking genius. So he understands exactly what I'm going for. And then we just sat there before we tracked anything, and, like, he looked at the parts that I wrote. We changed some drum parts around, like the, you know, maybe switch it to the ride, change the kick pattern, match it up, until we both agreed what was like perfect and then literally we tracked everything ass backwards from how bands usually do it so yeah. we had the track instead of having a click track and then playing along to that like live in a room we just built the midi drums i had scratch guitars and then i went through tracked i did a left and a right take so i played each song entirely then i had like the guitar tracks and then we quad tracked so sam and then matt came up and did two more takes so we had four takes of the guitars did the bass and then we brought in a drummer after we had everything sounding fucking killer 
and then tracked live drums. And they literally played to the T, like part to part. Here's the fill. There was a couple things we added, but I'd say 95% it was. I've never done it like that, and I loved it because I had total control of, like, this is what I want, play it, boom. Now replace the fake-ass program drums. And I was able to get, like, super good drum tones because Sam is the shit yeah. in his library. And then we had really great players. So Adam Elliott did half of the record, and then Thomas Pridgen came in. And so having guys that are, like, incredible drummers, I never even sat in a room and played guitar with them, literally. Just said, here's the track, listen to it, part to part, play it, hit hard as fuck, make it awesome. No awesome. stress. It was a good game. And were, were all the were all the people that helped you out with this were they all like people you've known from playing in Folsom or just people you know in Vegas? Yeah, it was all. I mean, just networking. A lot of them um, are people up in the Bay Area because that's where Sam Pura's Panda Studios is at. Mm-hmm. So like, Christian lives up there, and um, uh, our buddy Randy that laid down all the nasty ass solos. He lives up there. I think he was living in L.A. at the time, but he was like home visiting. And so we literally sent him some songs and he showed up with a Explorer in a fucking whammy bar for like half a day. And we just did work as badass. That's awesome. I, I, did you? Ex- I don't know. I guess you, you, I guess you wouldn't have expect everything to go that smoothly. But if you've got your if you've got so, such good control of it, maybe maybe that's exactly the only way it could have gone. Well, we actually recorded another, I have another um, EP of Spirit World, like punk rock shit that's done. Yeah. And I did this process. We That's where we stumbled on the, the formula because we had live drums and then the songs needed some tweaking. And then we had all these fucking drum parts that we couldn't move around because it might bleed. So we ended up like rewriting MIDI and then bringing in and redoing the drums like halfway through. So that's where I had the epiphany of I'm going to write a full length of just thrashy ass, hard as fuck, kind of death metal-y stuff. Yeah. And I'm going to do the entire record from the jump, set up my shit at my house so I can have like the heavy lifting done. And then, so yeah, for Pagan Rhythms, like I knew it was going to be smooth. I just didn't know how good it was going to end up you know because that's always like the thing like you have a good idea but the execution is what separates the men from the boys you know because a lot of great songs have shitty recordings even in good studios you know what i mean yeah and sometimes it's part of the charm and sometimes it fucking ruins them but yeah yeah and i'm at the point where i like i have like my idealized version of like a great record and i want it to be like impact start to finish no songs you gotta skip short you know what i mean like i have all these like little requirements and none of my favorite records live up to it but it's my own kind of like when you see a movie and you watch it and then you always have like that armchair quarterback thing you're like man you should have killed that motherfucker it would have been way better (laughs) so i kind of do that records when i listen to them even my favorite shit so then I just kind of process mine, the stuff I'm working on through that, 
and I found that the results are turning out killer, you know? Well, yeah. And I mean, this, this pagan rhythm, you, you, you gave me a heads up a little while back that you, what you were doing with the sound this time around. And, uh, I was surprised when I heard it, but, but again, you told me, so not, not entirely. Um, but what, what made you switch the sound of, uh, of spirit world for, for, it seems like just for this album, or is there more to come like this? I have another one written, which I'm going to do next, like a follow-up LP of heavy shit. Yeah. Well, like kind of big picture. I don't really, I don't know. I don't, I don't give a fuck. Dan, it's like I want a band. I want to do my band, and yeah. my band isn't going to be just like my rockabilly all country thing. It's also if I feel like it, I'm going to put out death metal. So if people like it, great. If not, I mean it doesn't matter. Like I don't need to tour and make money. Like I just am trying to make something that I think I can make that's badass that I can like put next to obituary or whoever you know like that's the that's the end all be all for me and anything outside of that is just i mean it's a nice pat on the back if people dig it yeah but who gives a shit you're right and that's that's the that's the best and that's the thing that i love about um i want to say like people our age or people at this point of uh of that have been involved in or put out music for a considerable amount of time especially people who came from the hardcore scene where it doesn't really matter. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, you, the people that play hardcore kind of limit themselves to playing this kind of dumbed down shit. And then when they finally get good enough uh, or the means to uh, write something a little more uh, tasteful or not, not tasteful, tasteful is not the fucking word, but, you know, a little more uh, complex or interesting that they just fucking go for it. And I think but I think a lot of it comes with that. The fuck you kind of attitude that you do need to have to be able to put yourself out there and not give a shit what people are going to think of what you put out. And I, that's one of the things I, I really love about what you, what you're doing with spirit world thus far is just it's seemingly. And obviously, as you said, just doing what the fuck you want. Yeah. And I mean, there's no, I mean, I got lots of friends. I got lots of family. I don't need any more friends. I don't need right, any, right. like, I don't care about anything. So it's like, if you want to support what I do, like that makes me super stoked. But if you think it's the stupidest thing you've ever heard of and you put bands in a little box, like I'm not the band for you. I'm not your guy. You know. Yeah, and that's yeah. okay. Of course, yeah. Not, not trying to fucking please any. Well, all right. So not the the idea of just and I, not of course not just in music, but just the idea of uh, just not not worrying about being everybody's friend. It doesn't mean you have to be everybody's enemy either. You know, you just uh, it, it's not. That, that's a good point. Like I have no enemies either. Like that's the other cool thing is when I choose to like go play a show or whatever anybody i collaborate with there's no drama it's just all generally just people that are super excited to be you know doing something and i can't wait to see what that looks like now because the like i bought a van fucking like got all my gear to play live so the plan was to put this record out and then go out and play some shows this summer which is like obviously on hold but now i'm thinking like well, I have this like dope ass record and I've got some folks interested in uh, doing the vinyl or maybe re-releasing it on a bigger scale. So if I can like put that extra work in and get something special to happen like that, I mean, it could be maybe work out 
way better having like a super I guess bands don't put out records and then do a record release like a year later when everybody knows every note to every song. Not so it usually. Could be, could be a blessing, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, it's. I think this whole, this whole, the, the whole fucked up twenty twenty is gonna. I don't want to say it's gonna shake up the way we do a lot of shit, and some of it might just be the fact that you put a record out first, and then, like you said, and then then build, and it goes from there. So was we're. Um, you said you mentioned like labels interested in, in issuing uh, pagan rhythms like on a broader scale or maybe a vinyl release. Was was that your initial intention or was it just uh, I'm gonna fucking put it out? I don't care about labels, but now that people are are hitting you up, maybe it might be a good idea. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the plan was like I kind of budgeted it out because recording's expensive, yeah. and I pay everything out of pocket up front. So I'm not in debt. I don't owe anybody anything. And so I don't need anybody to help me put out a record. But I wrote a bunch of short stories to tie in this whole um, concept of this album. And so I want to do an LP with these short stories. So I'll either do it myself. But once like the song started coming out and getting some press, like the reaction has been just a lot of weird people that aren't in my circle of influence. Uh-huh. that i mean normally paid no attention to stuff i guess i mean or just hit me up out of the blue so i'm just exploring that because if i have the opportunity to put it out where somebody with some muscle can push it like i don't see why people wouldn't love it so if it's an option and it works i'm into it but if not you know i'm okay with this band being like a little cult you know everybody's favorite band that no one knows about too I mean, that's how most of my favorite bands are for a long time. Yeah. So either way, like, you can kind of measure success however you want. And for me, like, I already succeeded because I made a record that I've listened to, fuck, man, a hundred thousand <laughs> million times. And that's, I'm pretty picky in my old age. So that's a pretty big one right there. Yeah. And it's tough to like your own shit unless you, you know, well unless you unless you're totally uh or at least mostly um uh, satisfied and that's that's a great sign of it with with the, you mentioned like so you do all these uh kind of interesting things with with spirit world releases like you, the demo you had packaged did that come with a zine yeah i did a um uh yeah i did like a little cdr yeah and made it look like one of the hip hop dudes that you'll see downtown that like say you know, give me a dollar, man, get this fire. So I tried to like, I put my phone number on it. Like I thought it was funny and cute. And then I did a, um, put it in like a envelope, like a nice wedding invitation that I printed the artwork on it and then used like a wax seal and put a lyric zine in there. Yeah. And so, and then, and so you, you're doing all this much more creative stuff than I think most bands are doing. Like you said, it's, it's pretty small run, but it's, I think it makes it even more interesting. But I, I didn't know that. Uh, but one of the things I wanted to say is that the, lyrically for the original Spirit World stuff is pretty in line or at least seems to seem to be pretty in line with like what you were um, talking about with like your Folsom stuff. It was a lyrical style that I knew as yours, you know. But uh, but yeah. that, that changed with, uh, with Pagan Rhythm, at least on the surface it seems to have changed it's it seems like you're writing from a different perspective about different things but but yeah. I, I didn't know there was a concept to it so what's what's that all about 
so the um well the basic idea was i wanted to do a record but i think it's it's hard to like stuff that i write that involves like personal stories and stuff like that i feel is pretty easy and genuine but the idea of just writing stuff that's not like personal experience or like things that at least somehow I've experienced a little bit, like it's always seemed kind of just whack yeah. to me. But I wanted to make like a super heavy, like death metal album. I've been doing a bunch of creative writing just for fun. And so I want to write like, I kind of approach it like if I could make a film, I would make a horror Western, like the end all be all, like badass horror movie. But since I don't have the means to do that, I kind of made a record. And then wrote some short stories. So, like, I built this world of, like, 1800s, Texas, cowboys finding the gates to hell and, you know, Armageddon. Kind of just, like, some weird shit with some occulty, supernatural things going on. So, then I took, like, the characters and, like, that world and kind of just, like, let it fly. Like, put in some weird shit. So, now I've got, like a record that's living in that world. I got some short stories that I think are pretty cool. It'll come out with it. And then the next record is like a continuation of that. So it'll be like a two album piece, like dealing with this weird thing. I don't know. I guess I'm crazy too. What can I say? Yeah. <laughs> that's all right. That's, that's, that's good. That makes it way more interesting. But I think, like, you got to go big or go home is the way I look at it. So I wanted it to be, like, thematic, like, when you listen to it, like, have those cinematic things where, you know, dropping samples and it's just weird enough and interesting enough where you're, like, want to check it out, you know? Yeah, sure. And, um, and I mean, it does it. I, I've seen – maybe it was just from you reposting, but, like, I've I've seen that uh, that most people are – are fucking into it and uh i saw you got a very strange what was that a turkish review for the record about the way it slaps <laughs> yeah. slaps wet or something so if you can get a record to do that you know you're on the right path that's what i'm saying i didn't even know that was the goal but now that i know it is i'll be chasing you know hardcore that makes you <laughs> wet in your sleep and slaps a plank my whole life you know <laughs> Yeah, well, but you've you've unlocked it. I don't yeah, I don't know who else who else did that. But so you mentioned like you you wanted to go more of a death metal route, and there, and there's then you definitely did that. But there's still some hardcore in there. There's a little punk rock in there. What was is there specific bands you were looking to for influences on this, or was this just Stu doing what Stu wanted to do? Well, I mean, I I rip off the same bands I've always ripped off. I mean. There's, like, the Folsom shit, which is, like, me and my brother Nick and B's, like, the way that we write, which is just straight up, you know, ripping off propane, mad ball, whatever, you know, Marauder, yeah. like, the all that hardcore no, stuff. Nobody gives stuff. propane enough credit. I, well, people should listen to more music, <laughs> I guess, is propane shit. But anyways, like, so there's, like, that influence, which... I mean, for so long, like, I keep digging and digging and digging. And, I mean, hardcore people write it off and say it's repetitive. But, I mean, fuck. I guess in 97, I saw Sick of It All and blew my fucking mind. 
And since that day, I've like made a real conscious decision to dig through record bins and find awesome hardcore bands from all scopes of the genre. Yeah. And I'm still to this day. So like there's that piece of it. But then like the like that 90s metal, man, like my older brother and all his friends were super into the like that classic like 92 era where it was like Danzig slayer sepultura um i don't know a million fucking bands then the like florida death metal thing so like all that stuff is like just super near and dear to my heart like that's my that's my favorite shit like that kind of mid-tempo it's still super hard but not like the i guess i just didn't get into the super technical death metal stuff i can appreciate some of it but nothing has ever hit me like that like 90s fucking metal and then that victory records like late 90s early 2000s like that golden era of crossover bands yeah at least for me like that's the stuff that and maybe it's because that's when i was like getting out of high school and you just like that shit just fit connects with you in a certain way and i saw a bunch of bands you know all over the world really like and so I just have all these like strong ties to that. So I just wanted to like see if I could make something that fits in the like on that shelf, like Crow Mags, All Out War, Slayer, Obituary, Spirit World. And I know that sounds like far fetched because it's like a cowpunk band on one hand, but then on the other, it's like I don't give a fuck. Take the backstory <laughs> out, pull out the vinyl, put it on your turntable, and if you can't fuck with it. I mean, I kind of think you're, there might be something wrong with you, you know? Well, well, I think if you like all those bands, there's no way you don't like Pagan Rhythms, at least. I think the harder stuff to, to like is the is uh, is the earlier stuff, the demo and the split and the, you know, the Viper Blood track, which I say harder to like, but, you know, I, like I said, I love it. Um, but the, the but Pagan Rhythms you'll, you, puts you in an interesting position where um, you can, where you are, well, like you said, it a crossover band. You can play with the hardcore bands. You can play with the metal bands, and not be uh, not be an obvious, uh, you know, not be an obvious uh, whatever standout. Like in a, in a bad way, you're going to fit in in certain crowds. Like it really appeals to me. Like I go to shows all the time. Yeah. Well, not anymore. I mean, I used to. I mean, me and my girl like go, and now that I've got more. Um, got my life together more yeah. i guess i could say like we do crazy shit where i'm like oh one of my favorite bands is playing like a veil they're doing a reunion show i got to see him a couple times in the late 90s like one of my favorites and jen never got to see him so when they announced that they were doing a show in richmond yeah i was like i'm gonna go see a veil then we went to <laughs> richmond saw a sold out fucking insane avail hometown show just doesn't get any radder and then went up to Riot Fest and watched, like, Against Me, Lucero, Avail, like, all of the little sold-out club shows. And it just happened, like, all these awesome bands I like were playing. So, like, now I just handpick, like, these really great that I know are going to be fantastic, like, live shows in little places, you know? And so I want to do that with my band, where it's like, nobody wants to go see the band that wrote Pagan Rhythms and then have me come up there with an acoustic guitar. Like, I get that. But I think I can, you know, push it and say, like, oh, maybe we're going to play with an all-country band, 
and do our punk rock stuff or like like i picture playing with bands i like like the menzinger like i'm gonna write i got an ep that'll come out then a full length and by the time that's done and word of mouth is out like i want to have a following that'll i can go play with the zings and play a badass set and then the next night go play with fucking a lot more <laughs> two different sets, two different crowds like same dudes i mean i got an axe effect i can literally i got a fucking badass amp modeler that i can switch from a you know badass matchless chieftain click one button and then have a fucking 5150 i mean the only thing holding me back is covid and my own limitations you know right well it's funny because because it, it sounds i don't want to say it doesn't sound ridiculous but it sounds un. it sounds like you can't do that but of course you can it's just nobody does that yeah and i don't know why that is like <laughs> i get it like maybe other people aren't into different types of music and want to do that but who the fuck wants to have two bands i don't like i barely am gonna have time to do one band and do it right like i'm gonna like do artwork and merch for two separate entities and shit fuck that you know yeah i think that's 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 probably what you'll get most from people say why why is spirit world not two bands why is it you know why isn't it two different things but uh you've answered that pretty damn clearly uh that because it's yours i don't want it to be yeah who the hell i don't know i write all the songs like (laughs) and also like i've spent so much of my life digging like singer songwriters in that style so when you see somebody like historically throughout their career like they'll get picked up on different labels maybe they cut a record in nashville and they have like some awesome session players and if you go see them tour that record for that cycle they'll have those guys playing live you know maybe they play a hundred shows with that lineup but if you go see that same dude five years down the line like they'll have a completely different band play the same songs and they kind of reimagine them sure so like i I kind of take that aspect too of if the goal is to make a great record then you go make the great record you hold nothing back and then if you're going to present it live it also has to be cool but at the end of the day it's going to be karaoke version of your album because i'm not going to have fucking quad track guitars or you know samples and backing tracks and all this crazy shit that you can do on a record right so if you're gonna like if you're gonna like reinvent everything anyways at least from my perspective you might as well just take the fucking gloves off and just go hard as a motherfucker you know yeah well speaking of like the the way things will sound different is there gonna i've never heard your voice sound the way it does on pagan rhythms before are you able to sound like that live well i i did a lot of them vocals like some of them i did it for like you know four or five hours straight screaming them (laughs) I, i layered some stuff so like it's not like there's any crazy effects on there, a little like saturation or maybe some compression. Yeah. And then it is like I did layer stuff just because me and Sam have worked together and he's, like I said, fucking brilliant. So like we know we know how to make it sound good, which you can't do that live. Right. Like, like you can make it sound that great, but it'll be in that ballpark. The only question is, I mean, I don't know. It's hard. When you do those throat screams like that, you either blow your shit out and it sucks or you don't. So, yeah, I did. Uh, 
I did one show. My old band did one show. Actually, Matt came to it. It was the J Money Benefit show recently. Did one one show with my old band. I couldn't talk for. I think it was a week straight. Yeah, I mean that's run like, and I mean I've done it enough where like warming up and like recording, I was able to keep where I could. I didn't completely destroy my shit, but I think my idea is going to be to try and present it as much as I can, like the record, like super hard throaty screams. But then I'm going to try and get somebody. Do you dig Pig Destroyer at all? Yeah, you know of how course. They- fucking sound dude yeah like guy noise bro that just like up there with that fucking yeah exactly i want one of those guys and like when you see a good country band and they have like the keyboard dude Mm -hmm. that also like will fucking play a mandolin and like maybe fuck around with a pedal steel just like the do-it-all guy yeah i don't need him to play pedal steel but i want like a noise bro that also can sing hard as fuck and like headbang so then at the end of those lines, like when you go see a hip hop dude live, maybe like I'll hit the first like half of the verse and then that ending part, have my bass player and sound guy, noise bro, like screaming, kind of back me up. So it's more of a, I got some ideas. Like a Flavor Flav. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> you know, like that kind of a thing where you can just make the live thing, because obviously you can't scream the way i did on that record and pull it off by yourself and be able to have any kind of stage presence unless you're i don't know what kind of peds you'd have to be <laughs> yeah you'd have to have some insane endurance which is why which is why i asked you'd have to you have to be, do some very impressive shit there but it but I, I regardless it sounds it sounds great i fucking i love the way this record sounds and it's and you said what's his name sam did the production on this yeah, Sam Pura from uh, Panda Studios. He, he did. Uh, I'm sure you've got records that he's done. Like um, he did all the story so far shit, basement, yeah, hundred. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm familiar. I, I, I didn't. I uh, well, you know, you never know the produ- the producer that well until uh, some guys. But yeah, I didn't know his name, but I know those records. Yeah, Sam's awesome, man. Um. So. Oh, so I I wanted to ask you now that now you're doing this that Folsom's or not Folsom Spirit World's going. I saw you guys did a, a Folsom show somewhat recently. Is Folsom still a thing? Um, we'll do every once in a while, but it's only like benefit shows yeah. and stuff. Like we did um the my buddy Justin who plays bass in Spirit World. He's um his main band is uh Wrist Meets Razor. Mm-hmm. They they put out an album on prosthetic a couple of years ago. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm familiar. Yeah. Yeah. So he, um, him and some of like the old head Vegas hardcore dudes, um, Dustin, Aaron, um, these dudes in black path booking probably three, four years ago. I'm not sure when don't quote me on that, but at some point they started really taking a handle on booking all ages, hardcore shows here. And so we've, like they've got it popping, and so they wanted to do a like a charity show just to like generate, you know, like a toy drive thing. Yeah, one of those. Shows. So um, it just worked out where like me and Nick and Matt and my buddy Bobby was around could work up a set. So we just did it for free. Just did a bunch of um, bring a toy or pay cash, and then the cash we went and bought more toys. But it was 
cool as fuck. I take for granted, like, the turnover in hardcore is, I guess the longer you stay in it, you forget that when you first get into it, like, the first, like, two, three years, people are, like, super stoked. And there's all those groups of people for, like, the last six, eight years in Vegas that have never seen Folsom play. So it has, like, this special thing because the last time we played in Vegas was with Judge. And it was one of the punk rock bowling club shows with like us and H2O, but the shit sold out. And it's like, you know, it's not a Vegas show. It's like kids, a bunch of tourists and shit. Yeah. So even then, that was like probably four years ago. There's a whole couple generations of like super diehard hardcore kids that hadn't seen us play. So that was cool. A lot of generated a lot of momentum for this toy drive which I'm happy to support, you know? Yeah, that's that's awesome. And well, I gotta, I, I can't, I mean, you'll probably give me shit for this, but I can't think of many Vegas hardcore bands. Is Folsom like the biggest hardcore band from Vegas? I, well, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> like, hey, like, I don't think so, because, I mean, I always felt like we were just like everybody else's favorite local band, just a bunch of knuckleheads scratching and climb that never got no love but on the flip side of that i mean we did do a bunch of cool shit but like curl up and die was on revelation yeah they put out a few words like faded gray was on indecision so like in that regard there were bands like our contemporaries that definitely got way bigger push and did stuff but then there's also bands like molotov solution that was on metal blade and fucking did a hundred times bigger shows than we ever did. So like the real like DIY hardcore thing, I think we have our own space and a big piece of that. Like the lore of that is, I mean, we're all crazy, like, and book DIY shows and brought like integrity and terror and death threat to our fucking junkyard. So like, there's a level of that, that sure. Some of those guys and folks were in bands that did a lot, but, it wasn't the same as us, you know, like we had a whole different, I don't know, whatever you call that, you know, like really being a part of the thing and still to this day, like go to the shows and pay instead of being guest list, stage potato, douchebag, you know? Yeah, we had, uh, I mean, presence and not not necessarily in the physical sense, just you, you, it sounds like Folsom, you guys have a big presence in Las Vegas hardcore. And I think sometimes that's that's more important than the most other shit. Yeah, maybe so. And you know, one thing is like I want to mention, it's not like you said the biggest bands, but bands from Vegas don't ever get big. So it's not like I I kinda relate our hardcore punk scene is like the smaller cities in the US where you have important bands that are relevant. And they're booking the shows and bringing the bigger national acts and they're supporting those. And maybe they get out and do regional touring and get some, you know, get a record out. But those bands are super fucking important to pushing this whole thing. They don't reap the benefit, you know, that the national touring bands do. You don't get a career out of it. But if it's not for those, you know, little scenes that are all tied together that are popping, like, I don't give a fuck who you are. You don't get to come to town and have 300 kids on Friday night without all those Monday night, all ages, local band shows with people that are just living and breathing it, 
you know? So I think like for here, the city's getting bigger and like going crazy now. And I see that like in the shows and the venues that we have. So maybe it'll turn that corner where it can be more of a relevant music scene. But at least my whole life, it's always felt like there's a hard ceiling, you know, it's hard to get yeah. noticed. This is, we're not LA or New York. We're more like Albuquerque or fucking, you know, wherever. No, that's a, that's a, that's a great point. And, uh, the, the the first band that I think of, and that's for me, Pennsylvania's strength for a reason is a band like that. And like, exactly that, that and I know, you know them for sure. Um, but that's a band who I started, they were one of the bands I started to go see. And yeah, I was ex exactly, I was going to the strength for a reason show on Monday and you know, the whatever show on Friday, but it was because strength for a reason kept coming around that it gave us something to do and keep us interested. And still, still to this day, that band's still doing it. So, yeah, those those types of bands. I feel like every I feel like every state and every uh, region seems to have one or two of them. That just you know they never really get, yeah. they never break that ceiling like you said, but they uh, they're quite important. But they're the lifeblood of the thing, you know. It's like you're not gonna they're not gonna get mentioned in decibel or whatever, you know, yeah. when they're talking about shit. But at the same time, that says more about decibel than it does strength for a reason or a Folsom or you know whoever. Yeah. Like there's a million other. And those are some of my favorite bands. Like those are the type of bands that when you're just a hardcore dude and you just drove all night, those are the people that don't give a flying fuck about record deals or whatever. And they're like making you barbecue. You're sleeping on their floor. You know, their dogs cuddling you that like show you that punk rock thing that changes your life forever. You know, the thing that people talk about saying that's so great about hardcore punk it's those bands, the kids hitting the ATM, getting the money out. Like to me, that's always been the thing I connect with because I. That's like that's just how me and all my friends were. Like I've never connected with the. I've got a booking agent and a manager, and we sold out Chain Reaction for three nights. Like that whole thing. Generally, I've never been a part of it. And also, on the other hand, I never really dug the bands that blew up like that on a personal level, not that, you know, bands that have success are bad people. I just never, that's not the people I hung out with. I mean, we're fucking, I guess on that other page where it's like, I hang out with the kids that when I drive to Arizona and we all go to see the same band, you know, not yeah, the, yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, exactly. Exactly. And I think, I think we're both on the same page and I think that's why you live in Las Vegas and I live in Pennsylvania and we know each other and have seen each other so many times because I mean, it's, granted, it's been a long time, but because like when when Folsom was here playing around, I'd make it a point to go to whatever three out of the six shows in the area, you know. And it's and, and when you when you say like like those bands who kind of do do break through that ceiling, I couldn't tell you how many of those bands that I'm friends with, but I can tell you tons of bands that I know like on the same level that you know as as Folsom that I've become friends with over the last 20 years because of that relationship yeah and those are the folks that like you know I like to hang out with I yeah. don't know it's always been like that and I think it always will be on some level it's like that that kind of unity of you know the guy that's booking the shows then you all go eat tacos and the guy that's like putting out the seven inch that's in your town like that whole thing of like creatives like that's one of the coolest things about 
this whole subculture. And I think that a lot of times when you're a band and you're young, you're like trying so hard to like validate yourself and you're like, you're like, but I want to be part of this other thing. Like I've got to experience some of that. And like, I don't know, I've never felt comfortable or really fed it like fit with that piece of it. So I've just like kind of dedicated myself to like, there's bands in Vegas right now, like world tension, dredge, just like awesome fucking bands that remind me of like me and all my friends, you know, just love hardcore, book the shows, have that same DIY thing. Don't give a fuck if a band calls them up and they're like, our show fell through in LA. Can you book us a show on Monday night? Then magically there's like 40 of us in a storage unit or some fucking squat. You know what I mean? Like that yeah. spirit, like that thing. I just love that. And it's hard to explain to people that don't get it, you know, and like all that negative stuff that comes with hardcore. But for me, like the that side of it, that band that gets to come, you know, hang out and swim in somebody's pool the next day, get a little gas money. Like that's the I don't know. That's a special thing. Well, that's I think you I think you make a great point. And I think uh, a lot of people can understand that, especially people who have tried to do it. Um I hope you get to get out there and do these things with pagan rhythms or not pagan, you know, with, with spirit world when, uh, when the time comes, because, because I think you do got something worth, worth getting out there and, and playing for people too. Hell yeah. Well, I appreciate the time, man. It's nice catching up and probably next year, maybe whenever the fuck we can, we'll be hitting the road. We'll come see you. Well, I'm looking forward to it. All right, Stu. Good talking. All right, man. Take care. Yep. Later.
that human sacrifice is a ritual performed by Satan, 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 having babies to be turned over for human sacrifice to Satan. There is no longer any doubt it has been established that human sacrifice is a ritual performed by Satan, 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 having babies to be turned over for human sacrifice to Satan. There you have it. That was my conversation with Stu, and that song there at the end was called Ritual Human Sacrifice. It's the last track off of Pagan Rhythms. Um, I, 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 I strongly suggest you go buy that record right now on Bandcamp. Only $9. Worth it. Worth the deal, right? Um, there's still, I think, an option to buy a t-shirt along with it. I was going to do that myself, but the sizes for big boys ran out. So if you're a small person, you can buy one and get the download as well, and a long sleeve t-shirt. You should do that. It's got artwork, I believe, from that homie um, from Gate Creeper. I said the homie. I don't even talk like that. You know, I just get excited sometimes, and I say words that I don't usually use, and it sounds really awkward, just like it did there. But what doesn't sound awkward is spirit world and pagan rhythms, and you, yourself, need to go give it a deep dive if you haven't already. If you need to go listen for free, you can go find it on the free streaming services and all that shit, but you really should support artists like Stu who are putting their heart and soul into this shit and uh, it makes it more worth it, right? makes it more worth it from everybody. You get the satisfaction of helping somebody out. Stu gets the satisfaction of your fucking money, all right? So (laughs) that's mostly it for this one. Um, I got a lot of episodes in the bank. I've been able to record quite a few and I got to tell you, Starting with this one here um, with Stu and and the next few, it's been one of the cooler streaks of uh, of interviews. That's a weird phrase, a weird way to put it, but it's just been a lot of cool. I've had a lot of cool conversations with a lot of uh, really interesting guys, a lot of names that I'm sure you know, um, a lot of bands that deserve the praise, and um, some that are already established, and some that are coming up. And it's all whatever. It's all cool. Um, I've also been working hard on uh, getting it out.net, though I tell you that every week and have been for half a year. So you'll just have to wait and see with that one. Um, not using the socials a lot lately, trying to disconnect a bit, but uh, you can still go to at getting underscore it underscore out underscore podcast on Instagram and uh, at getting it out, out getting it out pod at getting it. How do I say that? At getting it out pod on Twitter and the Facebook page, www.facebook.com slash getting it out podcast. This week, I'm going to wrap up with a new song from Memphis, Tennessee's Reserving Dirt Naps. They've got a new record coming out called Another Disaster on War Records, and this song is from that. It's called Under Siege. 
Thank you for listening. Hopefully you'll tune in network next week. Don't forget to rate, review, all that wonderful stuff. And uh, that's it. Bye-bye. on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.